The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's happening, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on July 19th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White here to recap another jam-packed weekend. Some grim Mets news coming out of New York. We'll start there. Brandon Marsh was promoted by the Angels. We have waiver ads, the dropometer, and much more. Scotty to Hottie. How was the weekend, bud? It was good. It was good. What about you? Uh, it was pretty good. Can't complain outside of the fact that the only Yankee game I went to was the one that they didn't win. So that was, uh, look, beggars can't be choosers. It was still fun to go to the game. And I did want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Evan Malter, who actually invited me to the game. We had a great time together. Really good dude. We were sitting down on the field level, like four seats behind the dugout. So really, really thankful that he was able to, to come through and hook that up. Cause I didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know heading into Friday if there was even going to be a game. And then, it, it wound up happening, and uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. So I was happy to do that. But let's get things started here, Scott, with that Mets news uh, because man, it was it was a rough one here for uh, for the Mets fans. Jacob Degrom placed on the IL retroactive to July fifteenth with tightness in his right forearm. Apparently, Degrom felt this discomfort on Friday while throwing a bullpen session. An MRI hours later showed. There was forearm tightness, but no structural damage. Manager Luis Rojas said on Sunday that DeGrom will not throw again until the discomfort goes away. DeGrom had this to say as well, quote, I'm frustrated. I don't know what else to say. I guess it's good news whenever structurally everything looks good, but the level of frustration now is really high. Kind of has just been the case all season long with Jacob DeGrom, Scott. Obviously, people just get him out of their lineups. And now we wait. I don't I don't think there's anything else we can say or do. Yeah, I mean, there's really no way to speculate how long the absence is going to be. You'd expect it to be on the shorter side, given that there is no structural damage, at least not that the MRI turned up. And, you know, that's usually what we go on. Um, you know, occasionally you hear of instances where nothing turns up and then later something does turn up. So that's kind of in the back of my mind. But you know, no reason to panic. We we hoped he'd be back and ready to go at the start of the second half. I get that. we think we kind of assumed that since there was no structural damage and since he has a tendency to bounce back quickly from these things. But as you say, I think you just got to wait it out. It doesn't do you much good to sell him, really. I think you risk selling low. I get, you know, 
I, I don't know. Maybe he just misses one more turn. I don't know. It's really hard to say. Yeah, it's this has been just the season for Jacob Degrom. When he pitches, he is a historically amazing pitcher. But we just kind of have to navigate through these forearm, back, oblique injuries, shoulder injuries for Jacob Degrom as well. Uh, it's it's been tough. But hold on, don't try and sell low. I kind of talked about doing that the first time that he got hurt, and then he just comes back and looks awesome. So. Don't listen to what I've said in the past. Just just hold Jacob DeGrom and, and hope everything turns out all right here. The other big news was Francisco Lindor, who went to the I.O. with a grade two oblique strain. And they haven't given any timeline, but obliques obviously are very tough. This could be anywhere from four to six weeks, which is like your standard injury timeline, I guess. But uh, especially more so for obliques. So... I do have some possible replacements here, Scott. Let's start off in a shallower league. These are names that are rostered in 60 to 75% of CBS leagues. Willie Adamas, David Fletcher, Luis Arias. How would you rank those three options? I think you ranked them appropriately here, Adamas, Fletcher, and Arias. Obviously, Adamas, we've talked about it a lot, just, just how much getting out of Tropicana Field, where apparently he didn't like the batter's eye there, and, and over his entire career, his his splits at home in Tampa were awful. So getting him out of there, uh, we've seen him, we've seen him come alive at the Brewers. Still striking out, you know, a little a little too much for my liking with the Brewers. Yeah, twenty five percent. It's not as bad as I thought. And he's been hot since the start of the second half. So he would be number one because he gives you that power element. But David Fletcher's been hitting like four fifty since about mid June. Yeah, that's. Pretty much all he provides, no power, no speed, really. Uh, but he's been batting leadoff for the Angels. That's, that's of course, a, helps helps get the most out of that batting average. And you know, it might actually be a pretty close call in points league specifically since Fletcher's strikeout rate is so low. But those are clearly one and two, and Luis Arias is a dif- distant third. A little bit deeper, these are names that are rostered in less than 50% of CBS leagues. Got Brendan Rodgers, your boy. Or Nico Horner, who's like kind of your boy, but just not to the same level as Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> I, I like both of these guys a lot. <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd rather go with the guy who has power, Brendan Rodgers. And I, I think definitely the ceiling's higher for him, especially playing half his games at Coors Field. Frankly, I like Rodgers and Horner both more than Luis Arias. No. Oh. Not to drag your guy. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the honest truth. That is that is fair. All right, so we're going Brendan Rodgers over Nico Horner. And then in the deepest of leagues, these are names that are uh, rostered in less than 20% of CBS leagues. If you play in a 15-team or anything deeper than that, Elvis Andrus, Leori Garcia, Orlando Garcia. Again, deep names here, Scott. Anyone that stands out? Don't like these guys so much, but I, I would probably say Orlando Garcia, who looks like he is going to be playing regularly for the Braves still, even with Jock Peterson aboard. Uh, and he's he's the one guy of these three that I hope, just based on what he was doing at AAA prior to his promotion, him being only 26 years old still, it's, uh, I think there might be a next level for him that we haven't seen at the majors yet. Bet against it, of course, but we're having to dig pretty deep here at this point. Yeah, Orlando Arcia, 7% rostered. He's got outfield eligibility, shortstop eligibility there. Again, in a deeper league, if you do need a replacement for Francisco Lindor, we had a big prospect call up on Sunday. It was really kind of came out of nowhere. The Angels promoting Brandon Marsh, who is known for his hit and speed tools. He does offer some some pop as well. And throughout the AA and AAA uh, in his career, 120 games 
He said 10 homers and 20 steals during that time. Uh, Brendan Marsh was also hitting 382 with two doubles, two triples, two homers, and a stolen base in 12 July games since returning from an injury that he had to his shoulder. So 13% rostered here, Scott, for Brandon Marsh. Uh, how excited are you about him? Is he a must-add? Would you drop guys like Jeff McNeil, Kevin Biggio for Brandon Marsh? No, I wouldn't drop either of them for Marsh. And I was surprised how little uh, how little enthusiasm there seemed to be for him in, in my Tout Wars League, which is a 15-team Roto League. So five outfielders, 15 teams. Pretty deep. Pretty deep. I, I won him with a $27 bid. That's out of 1000 So 2.7% of my budget. I won Brandon Marshall. Only one other person even bothered to bid on him. Uh, and I think it was the first place, the guy in first place currently. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Kind of a weird prospect. Kind of a weird prospect because he was basically top 50 for everybody coming into the year. But a lot of that was built on uh, his kind of just like pure athleticism, his ability to play defense. Uh, and in terms of what he brings to the table fantasy-wise, I think there's a wide range of outcomes here because he never or he rarely showed like big in-game power in the minors. And that's kind of been the, the biggest question surrounding Brandon Marshall for a couple Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marsh. <laughs> Brandon Marshall was a wide receiver for the Broncos. And the Jets. Um, Don't forget about my he, Jets, Scott. And he's not Randy Marsh either. He's <laughs> Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh of the Los Angeles Angels. And um, yeah, didn't, didn't the power development? That that's been a big question that's surrounded him for a while now. I, I think the hit tool is pretty good. I think the speed is there, but again, he didn't demonstrate much of it in game. Never had like a twenty steal season in the minors, and usually stolen bases go down in the majors. So I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of that from him. In some ways, it, it kind of reminds me of when Jesse Winker first c- got called up because okay, he looks like a pretty good hitter, but where's the power? And eventually that did come around for Winker. And I think it's an easy skill to cultivate in the majors. But, you know, um, Brandon Marsh doesn't have quite those contact skills. So, I don't know. As with every prospect call-up, my expectations have come down this year. Where, you know, unless it's tip-top-of-the-scale guy, I'm going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. So, I guess, long story short... Maybe in a five outfielder league, you put in a small bid on Brandon Marsh, but otherwise, uh, I'm going to wait and see. I've got a nickname for him, Scott. You ready? Yeah. Lord Marsh. Not sure I get it. Not sure I follow you. <laughs> so you brought up Randy Marsh, right? And one of my favorite episodes of South Park is when he <laughs> makes fun of Lord. And he's like, I am Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now yes, I haven't seen that one. There are a lot of South Park episodes. There are a lot. Actually, it's funny. My fiance just watched all of them and she watched them in reverse order. So I don't I don't know why she did that. But hmm. was, well, she watched the seasons in reverse order. She watched like each season from the beginning of that season to the end of the season, but she just watched them in reverse. I don't know why, but uh yeah. Anyway, Lord Marsh, that's what we're gonna go with. We're marrying together Brandon Marsh and Randy Marsh from South Park there. I, I tweeted out earlier today, I think he was a must add in all five outfielder leagues. Those are more so roto category leagues and he does offer some speed or at least I think that's a part of his skill set that he can offer at the major league level. You said you want him for $27 in Tout Wars out of a $1,000 budget? Yeah. Well, guess what, Scott? I also want him for $27 in a $1,000 budget in Tout Wars. Were you copying off of me? (laughs) I was not. I I was using my cover sheet. (laughs) 
So, but that's a little bit different. That's a head-to-head points league. It's a 12-team head-to-head points league, but we start five outfielders, middle infielder, corner, utility. So it's a little bit deeper rosters there. So I, I took a shot on him there. $27 out of a $1,000 budget for Brandon Marsh. All right, that was a lot to talk about before we even got to, oh my goodness gracious, but let's do it. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Did you settle on one, oh my goodness gracious player? Because you kind of threw like five players at me before we started. So where are you going? I did. No, I, I settled on AJ Pollock. Okay. Who had a another two hit game Sunday, but you know, even beyond that, six home runs in his past seven games, and just having a monstrous July is AJ Pollock. And uh, you know, that's oh my goodness gracious enough. Oh my goodness gracious, look at those stats from AJ Pollock. But the most the the big the the, the thing that really gets the oh my goodness gracious out of me is that he's only 52% rostered in CBS Sports Leagues, which seems like a problem when you're producing that much. And, you know, obviously this is a a guy whose name's been out there in fantasy for a number of years now. So I'm a little surprised people haven't caught on yet to A.J. Pollock. Hasn't been playing quite every day for the Dodgers, so maybe that has helped, uh, helped drive down that roster rate. But at this point, I mean, he's got 13 home runs. He's got an OPS approaching 900. And uh, that was after missing some time, right, with injury yeah. at one point. So, uh, you know, how long did he miss? He missed most of May. Missed most of May with injury. So, uh, yeah, A.J. Pollock is still a thing, obviously in a really good lineup. I would go after him before I went after Brandon Marsh, that's for sure. All right. Yeah. AJ Pollock. He's actually started nine of the last 10 games for the Dodgers as well, Scott. So I know we do have some concern, you know, when everyone's healthy for the Dodgers and playing well, yeah. he's probably not going to play every day, but it yeah, seems most, like, like he's playing. That, that's a recent development probably because he's been so hot for, yeah, for, it looks like for the rest of June, he was sitting like every fourth or fifth game. Yeah. In July. Uh, or you, July. Yeah. And yeah. In July, yeah, July is really picked up. Yeah, you mentioned that he's been crushing in July. Three seventy eight batting average, seven homers, thirteen eighty four OPS. That's in thirteen July games there for AJ Pollock. And what did you say the roster rate was, Scott? Fifty two percent. Fifty two percent. All right, good to know there. Well, how does he stack up against some of these other outfield wa- waiver options, Scott? Who? Did something notable over the weekend. J.D. Davis went three for four with a double dong on Saturday. He's 49% rostered. Jock Peterson started his first two games with the Braves, one against a righty, one against a lefty. He had four hits and a home run in those two starts. Dom Smith went three for five on Sunday. He's batting 300 with three homers in July. Akil Badu went two for four with his 14th steal on Sunday. Adam Duvall, two for three with his 20th home run. So I just threw a bunch of names your way. J.D. Davis, Jock Peterson, Dom Smith, Badu, Duvall, and Pollock. Give me your two favorites from that group. J.D. Davis is definitely number one. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know Pollock was included. I'll go Pollock number one, and then J.D. Davis. That makes for an easy top two, I guess. Yeah, J.D. Davis uh, hasn't played much at all this year. I, I think he's right around 60 plate appearances or something. But... Caught fire toward the end of his rehab assignment. Hit those two home runs Saturday, and uh, you know for the little bit he's played this year, the numbers are insane: three eighty eight batting average, eleven seventy seven OPS. Guy I liked a lot heading into last year. You know, seemed like he had a breakout two years ago. 
uh, but really had a problem elevating last year. He's, he's elevating better in the little bit we've seen of him so far this year. The strikeout rate is way up. The strikeout's kind of concerning, but, you know, small sample all the way around. Not really sure what to make of it. I just think J.D. Davis, based on what he did Saturday night alone, and I, I think you got to give him a chance. You got to see what he can do. Um, just knowing how much how much uh, enthusiasm there's been for him in the past. Yeah, and Davis is crushing the ball this this season too. 94 mile per hour average exit velocity. You mentioned he's lifting the ball more. 14.7 degree average launch angle for J.D. Davis. That would represent a career high if he stays there. So it's a matter of him continuing to lift the ball as much as he has this season. Super small sample. It's only been 30 batted balls this year again, which you mentioned. But look, players... Players are motivated by different things. And the Mets, all we keep hearing about, oh, is they're looking into Chris Bryan and Josh Donaldson. They want to upgrade third base. J.D. Davis is is trying to keep his job here. So the guy has <laughs> something to play for. And, and as of now, it's only been a couple of games since he's returned, but uh, he is playing very well. So again, that is J.D. Davis. I mentioned Akil Badu, who just continues to run. He has 14 steals in the season. He has four steals already in the month of July, and he has at least four steals in each of the past three months. So if you do need stolen bases in any type of categories league, Akil Badu, 51% rostered. Oh my goodness gracious for me, this isn't really going to change anything. It's not, there's not much actionable here for fantasy, but just wanted to give a shout out to the Padres, man, and what they did this weekend. 41 runs they put up, did wind up losing the game on Sunday. 41 runs in three games against the Washington Nationals, including 24 runs on Friday alone, which included Jake Cronenworth hitting for the third cycle in Padres history. And we did our all breakout teams for the first half last week, Scott. And Jake Cronenworth was my breakout second baseman. And looks like he's picking up uh, right where he left off to to close the first half of the season because he was red hot. And and he has been so far this season, uh, this weekend as well. And then Will Myers had, had a double dong on Friday, including a grand slam. So hopefully that could be a sign of things to come for uh, Will Myers. But yeah, Jake Cronenworth has been awesome this entire season. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Mike Fultonevich, man, at the Blue Jays. Oh my goodness. <laughs> on Sunday. Wow. Hope you didn't start this guy anywhere. You might have had to in a deeper league, but... An inning in two-thirds, eight hits, ten runs. That is a 54.0 ERA and a 6.00 whip for Four home runs. Mike <laughs> Fulte. I think I heard, I was just watching MLB Network before, he's allowed 28 home runs this season, which is seven more than the next closest starting pitcher in baseball. Anytime he's had like a decent start, it's felt lucky. Yes. Okay. He's just toast. Yes. There, there's there's nothing to see with Mike Fultonevich. I saw some people tweeting out that he was started in like more than half of main event leagues for the NFBC. Not on my was, team. And I had him on my team, but I chose not to start him. But well, A, why do you have him on your team? Well, Scott, I mean, <laughs> B, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of injuries, man. So it's tough. I out know, there. but it's uh, tough. That's desperate times, I guess. Yeah. You're, I, you're really des- I guess I can't relate to that level of desperation at starting pitcher in most of my leagues. Yeah. You're trying to figure out why we're doing to stream or not to stream every day. I mean, it's people like me who have Mike <laughs> Fultonevich on their team. We don't really have a choice, man. I think I picked up Eric Fetty, who faces the Marlins this week. Like, that's how desperate I am. So uh, it's tough. It's tough out there in those 15 team leagues. Before we hit the news and notes, just want to remind everyone, we are finalists for the sports category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We really do appreciate all that you do for us, and we hope that you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. To nominate Fantasy Baseball today, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, 
and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link at the top of the episode description as well. And just a heads up that we will be doing another live stream Q&A on our YouTube channel today on Monday. When you are hearing this, watching this July 19th from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time, come hang out. Could ask us fantasy-related questions. The trade deadline is approaching. MLB, ask us about your favorite team, questions about life, whatever. Just come hang out and ask. That's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss anything that we do. News and notes from the weekend. All of these names were placed on the IL. And we'll start with probably the, the biggest news outside of DeGrom and Lindor was Pablo Lopez, who went to the IL with a right rotator cuff strain, uh, which is a very big blow the way that he's Pitch, uh, was pitching this year. I had him ranked inside my top 25 starting pitchers. No timetable right now for Pablo Lot- uh, Lopez, but I doubt this is a short stay for him. Uh, Braxton Garrett started on Sunday. But Scott, I think this might actually... I don't know if they're going to want to rush Edward Cabrera, but this might move the timeline up a little bit for him getting to the bigs. He's been dominant since returning from injury and has a lot of innings left in the tank. I've, I've talked about Edward Cabrera as a potential replacement when what seems like the inevitable to me, the shutting down of Trevor Rogers comes to pass though, you know, that might still be six weeks away. So yeah, I mean, this could, this could get Cabrera up sooner. If they're planning to call him up anyway, maybe why waste those bullets in the minors? Uh, I, I think, I think as of now, they don't have five rotation spots accounted for, do they? I know they added Braxton Garrett. He started on Sunday and was not very good, but I think, they had an opening even before adding him. Let's see. It looks like baseball reference is showing Ross Detweiler. He hasn't been making starts, has he? He started He started the other day, and I believe it was Jordan Holloway who came in as the follower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he did, and he got sent down. It looks like Braxton Garrett got sent down after Sunday's game. So I don't know what they're doing, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick... Nick. Uh, we could see Nick Niedert again. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean they're they're kind of running out of options here. I think uh, I think Edward Cabrera might be might be close to getting the call. Yeah, thirteen percent rostered. So if you do play in some of those deeper leagues, NL only, I think now is the time to stash Edward Cabrera. A few other names who hit the IL: Luke Voigt with a bone bruise in his knee. It's been just an awful season for Luke Voigt with all the injuries he's gone through. Devin Williams with elbow discomfort. Tim LaCastro tore his ACL. Jake Fraley went to the IL with an illness. Michael Lorenzen back on the IL, this time with a hamstring. Nico Goodrum with a calf. And Jose Urania with a groin strain. Uh, Mike Trout is close to a full recovery, but the outfielder doesn't have a rehab assignment scheduled. However, I did see that he tweeted some airplane emojis, and he wrote Oakland. So... I don't know if that means he's getting ready to return or something. I, like I that. saw a beat writer confirm that he is traveling with the team to Oakland, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's being activated. Hmm. But maybe it does. Good to know. I'm at, I added that last part, but maybe it does. Okay, so yeah, they start a series with the Oakland A's on Monday, so that would be a very welcome surprise if we do get Mike Trout returning uh, for Monday's game. Some Cleveland pitcher updates. Shane Bieber has done work with heavy balls, but has yet to resume... <laughs> To resume normal throwing, it's just 
Come on, Frank, grow up. He remains without a clear timeline. Uh, Aaron Savale is throwing from 105 feet. Savale has been on the IL since June 24th with a sprained right middle finger. He was slated to miss four to five weeks, so he figures to still be a week or two away from being able to go on a rehab assignment. Again, that is Aaron Savale. The White Sox gave Lance Lynn a two-year, $38 million extension, which is well-deserved. Good for Lance Lynn. Anthony Rendon recently suffered a setback with his hamstring and won't return for several weeks. Much like Luke Voigt, it's been a nightmare season for Anthony Rendon. Corey Seager won't return from the IL on Monday, but will participate in another simulated game. So that sounds like he is getting closer and closer to returning. Clayton Kershaw said on Saturday that he could resume playing catch next week. He's on the IL with that forearm injury. Uh, Kevin Gosman could return and start on Monday. He was scratched Friday to deal with a family emergency. Freddie Peralta won't make his first start of the second half until next week. The Brewers are planning to go with a six-man rotation for now. And Scott, maybe this is part of, well, obviously it is. This is part of their plan to limit Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns. But maybe by having a six-man rotation, that means that they won't necessarily limit those pitchers as much in-game, you know, in terms of number of pitches and how deep they go into games because they have a six-man rotation. So that's kind of my glass-half-full take on it. Well, I, what's interesting is we've seen a lot of teams go with six-man rotation for stretches this year. That seems to be uh, kind of the... That's become kind of the, the primary way to keep the innings counts down for individual pitchers after the after the unprecedentedly short 2020 season and we were worried how that would impact certain pitchers workloads especially the young guys and we just haven't seen great measures taken to to curtail the innings the biggest one has been stretching the rotation to six to six pitchers for a while i'm not sure it's enough i'm not sure it's enough now in the brewers case they're in first place they're in first place by seven games they're you know, very much thinking playoffs. So, uh, I mean, they need Peralta and Burns. <laughs> their their pitching staff is what's getting them to the playoffs, right? They yes. need those guys. So, and they need them in the playoffs too. So that's yeah, especially yeah. noteworthy. But look, if they continue to build a massive lead, then September maybe they just don't need those guys, right? As as much as they would have if they were well, you know, to in a get closer to the playoffs. Race. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I don't know. Would there be a phantom? IL stent in September, maybe just to, just to save those bullets again to use the same metaphor. Maybe I don't know. The, I, I'm I don't know how the contenders handle it, but I I do think we're going to see from the non-contenders like the Marlins, which is why I keep citing Trevor Rogers, not picking on, on him or anything, but he's a rookie who has yet to skip a turn even, and the Marlins aren't going anywhere. It doesn't appear. I don't think they're quite ready to pack it in yet, but it's it's long, the longest of long shots that the Marlins do anything this year. So yeah, by September, I just have a hard time believing they're going to stick with Rodgers all the way through. But the Brewers kind of have to with Peralta and Burns. So I don't know how they're going to handle it. Speaking of those Marlins, they are no longer discussing a contract extension with Starling Marte, which I guess means that he will be dealt. I saw... On Sunday, the Yankees, the Astros could be interested. I guess the Atlanta Braves, uh, if they want to add another outfielder there, even after they, they acquired Jock Peterson, so that's a possibility. Buster Posey is set to return from the IL on Monday, so you can get him back in your lineups. We had a few subpar updates for Nationals pitchers. Steven Strasburg didn't feel right after a simulated game 
uh, his simulated game last weekend, so he'll be he'll back off from mound work for now. Joe Ross threw on Friday, but still felt some discomfort in his elbow, so he will remain on the IL. Mark Hanna returned from the IL on Saturday. Padres catcher Austin Nola is nearing his return. Nick Senzel is expected to return sometime in early August. The Tigers are expected to call Matt Manning up to start Wednesday's game against the Rangers. Gavin Lux is dealing with a mild hamstring strain after leaving Sunday's game. Kyle Muller is on track to be recalled and start Monday for the Braves, which sets him up as a two-star pitcher against the Padres and the Phillies. He is 44% rostered. Scott, any interest in Kyle Muller for those matchups? Padres and Phillies this week. Yeah, sure. He's among my sleeper pitchers for this week. We saw a lot of strikeout potential from him in the majors. And uh, he kept the walks down in his two starts back in the minors, you know, leading up to this presumed call-up. So, yeah, I mean, there's upside here. Obviously, there's risk, too. Just depends on how big the need is. Uh, I do want to, since we mentioned Burns earlier, really encouraging start from Corbin Burns Sunday, who was somebody we've expressed concerns about the crackdown on the foreign substances is the spin rate falling significantly on his cutter, his main pitch. And uh, it was still down in this start, but only down 109 RPM. Got 19 whiffs, struck out 12 and 8 and a third innings. His, his previous four starts, 26 Ks and 24 and a third innings, like little more than one per. That was way down from what we were seeing from Burns in April and May. So Burns and, and Garrett Cole both uh, had a start this week and that looked much like what we had come to expect from them before the foreign substance crackdown. And, you know, in the, in the case of both, spin rate was still down, but not nearly as much as we were seeing before. I don't, I don't know that what, what that means in terms of their approach, what's changed, but that combined with the great results, I, I think, is hopefully means we don't have to worry so much about them going forward. Yeah, I th- just think that there was probably an adjustment period for both of those starting pitchers and whoever else had, you know, they uh, there were, it was reported before the season that 90% of pitchers were using some kind of substance. There's an article from Eno Saris in The Athletics. So, look, it's not just these two guys, but obviously they're two of the best pitchers in baseball, so we continuously talk about them. But, yeah, I well, think... They're, they're two of the ones that we saw their performance suffer, it seems sure. like. Sure, yeah. In, in correlation to a drop in spin rate. So, yeah, there were... If you were going to worry about anybody, it would be them. But, uh, you know, this weekend, they hopefully relieved some of those concerns. Garrett Cole's last two starts, which came against two of the best lineups in baseball, the Astros and the Red Sox, 15 innings pitched, one earned run, 23 strikeouts there for Garrett Cole. So uh, definitely, if you held on to him, <laughs> I hope you did, of course, uh, you, your, your confidence is growing. Again, in uh, in Garrett Cole. We spoke about Kyle Muller. Tuki Toussaint is scheduled to start uh, Tuesday's game for the Braves. He has 18 strikeouts over his last two starts at AAA. 6% rostered, so only in the deepest of leagues, but you heard the name Tuki Toussaint for a long time now. <laughs> Hasn't really come to fruition yet, so I guess just, just a name to throw on the scout team. The Blue Jays are returning to Toronto July 30th, so look, no matter where they've been, they've, they've had great hitter venues so far this season. That's not going to change in Rogers Center. It's a great ballpark to hit in as well. So, uh, shout out to uh, to the Blue Jays headed back to Toronto. And just like these aren't fantasy related stories, but what happened outside of the Padres Nationals game Saturday, which was obviously 
noteworthy. I mean, there was apparently a shooting that that went on outside the stadium and it halted play and they stopped the game and they, they picked it back up on Sunday, but they were packing fans inside the dugouts and, and the clubhouse and stuff. So it was definitely a scary scene there with, with the Padres and Nationals. Uh, and then going from one non-fantasy story to another, this one is a little bit more lighthearted, obviously, but uh, Yankees fans, can, can we just stop like with the throwing stuff on the field and throwing the baseballs and apparently a fan threw a baseball on the field and it hit Alex Verdugo and it started like this whole controversy and Verdugo's yelling at fans and stuff. I never understood it, Scott. I never caught a baseball in my life at a game. If I caught a home run ball, no matter who hit it, I'm not throwing it back on the field. I'm keeping it. <laughs> like, What is wrong with people, man? I don't know. You know, you're, you're, I, I imagine it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure from the crowd. You get caught up in the moment, not thinking straight. Nope. Not me. No, it's, it's hard to resist. You know, when, when multitudes around you are telling you to do a thing, it's hard to be like, no, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm pretty good at it personally, (laughs) but you know, that's, because I'm weird. I, 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 it's not like it's easy to do. <laughs> All right. We're going to hit a quick break. But when we return, we do have some prospect updates and more. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's hit some of those prospect updates. And Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said on Sunday that Josiah Gray is, quote, in the mix to receive a call-up and start Tuesday's game against the Giants. Josiah Gray has a 2.87 ERA over four games, which include three starts at AAA this season. He's 22% rostered. Scott, how interested are you in Josiah Gray? Pretty interested. If he actually gets called up, um, you know, I, I think there's, I think in general, there's a bigger need for starting pitchers than, than for outfielders, I'd say. So it's, it'd be a pretty close call whether, if I'm deciding between Josiah Gray and Brandon Marsh, which one I pick up, I'd pick up, e- expecting both to fail in their first stint in the majors. But if one of them doesn't, you know, obviously I'd pivot to the one who's not failing. Gray, uh, you know, he hasn't been healthy much this year. I don't think he's gotten up to five innings yet since returning in the minors, but the stuff has looked good, shown a lot of strikeout potential in the past. Pretty exciting pitching prospect, and obviously we'll have all the benefits of pitching for the Dodgers. I do wonder if it would be like, if they'd handle him like we've seen with Tony Gonsolin, where it's just a very slow buildup to the kind of workload that makes him usable, even if he is good. So, you know, expectations low for Josiah Gray, but the skills are good enough that he could certainly exceed those expectations. Both Bobby Witt and Nick Prado were promoted to AAA within the Royals organization on Sunday. Bobby Witt, someone we spoke a lot about last week, he's 49% rostered and pretty much a mustache at this point, right, Scott? If you can afford to hold... a mustache. (laughs) Well, no, this is a mustache, but it's Uh, a must-space stash. Yeah, I don't... I'd, I'd like him. I'd like Bobby Witt more if he had a mustache. But no, I mean, there's a lot to like to begin with. Yeah, I think in terms of in terms of the prospects that are going to excite us 
immediately. Like everybody drop what you're doing and pick him up anywhere he's available if they get called up. In terms of those prospects, I think Bobby Witt might be the last one left who could realistically get called up. And I don't think it's 100% he gets called up because obviously the Royals aren't competing for anything. He's he's moved, He's moved. been moved up the system aggressively, still only 21. They might just wait until next year for Bobby Witt. But if he continues to destroy it at AAA like he was at AA, they're an organization that in the past has shown a willingness to to let the player dictate his own timetable. Kind of going against the grain there, the Royals do. So definitely uh, definitely could understand stashing wit. And I think he's already rostered in 50, 50, roughly 50% of CBS Sports Leagues. Yeah, 49%. So he's he's right there around that mark. And someone who someone else who's right around 50% is Vidal Brujan. He's 53% rostered. We haven't checked in on the Rays prospects in a while, but Vidal Brujan has started just three of eight games since being called up by the Rays, and he is just one for 15 in those games. And it was, he actually got that only hit was his first plate appearance in the majors. So he's gone 0 for 14 since. Uh, And then Wander Franco went one for three with his third home run on Sunday. All three of his home runs this season have come against left-handed pitching. He's batting 324 against lefties. He is batting just 125 against righties. And he's a switch Mm. hitter. So it's kind of weird. I don't really think there's much to see there. I looked into his splits in the minors. Didn't really have any crazy issues one way or the other for Wander Franco. So I think it's just kind of like a weird sample size thing for him. But Scott Vidal Brujan, I mean, this is uh, this is about as bad as the first couple of weeks could have gone if you have him on your team. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you hear that a, an organization is waiting for a prospect to get hot before calling him up. And, uh, you know, streaks are obviously a pretty fickle thing. And, we try not to change our entire assessment of a player based on whether he's hot or cold. So in, in a way, it seems like you, you kind of want to rail against that. Team's doing that on whatever. It's, the player's the player. Who cares if he's hot or cold? Just call him up. But this is a good example as to why. Because, I mean, you don't want to so much stacked against the player in his first stint in the majors. It's already such a difficult transition he's making. You at least want him to feel like he's seeing the ball well, has a swing in, in line. Uh, and Bruhan was going through a pretty rough stretch at AAA before getting called up basically the entire month of June. So I don't know that that explains why he struggled in the majors, but certainly it hasn't helped. Jaron Duran, the Red Sox outfield prospect who we spoke about last week when he first got called up. He didn't start on Friday against lefty Jordan Montgomery, so I do wonder if that's the plan moving forward, is that he's going to be a platoon bat, at least against right-handed pitching to start. Uh, He did go one for six in the two games that he played with a run scored between Saturday and Sunday. And Scott, I spent $158 on Jaron Duran of Fab in my NFBC main event league, which is a 15-team Five by five roto. The next closest bid was one oh two. What do you think? One fifty eight out of a thousand dollar budget. Does that seem fair? Yeah, in a league that deep, I, I it makes sense. I I think I think Duran is a higher priority than like Brandon Marsh. I would have picked him up in any five outfielder league. I think he was already rostered in all my fifteen teamers, so it wasn't even a chance to make a play for him. I can't compare your bid to mine, but that that sounds like what you'd need to pay to get him in a league that deep. Nice. Again, Jaron Duran, outfield prospect for the Red Sox. 
Very excited about Duran, and we're also very excited about Express, who is back as a sponsor on the podcast. Express Confidence, Express You. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. They have everything you can imagine from suits and blazers to an everyday outfit like jeans and a V-neck shirt, specifically for the jeans. They have all different styles, ranging from skinny to slim straight to tapered and boot cut. You can also find their new four-way hyper-stretch denim, their stretchiest denim yet. I have a few pairs of the skinny stretch jeans myself, and they are awesome because they look great, are very stylish, and of course are very comfortable as well. And of course, you need something up top to complete your outfit. Check out their printed short sleeve shirts, which help you stand out all summer in a good way, of course. They have tropical and geometric prints for every vibe or you can just go with a super comfy v-neck or a crew neck shirt like the one that i am wearing right here this is from express nice little salmon pinkish reddish type color super comfortable love it moisture wicking fabric fabric so no sweat marks and of course machine washable so you don't have to worry about dry cleaning we encourage all of our listeners to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at express.com express confidence express you all right, Scott, so we ranked some outfield waiver options a little bit earlier. Let's take a look at some deeper waiver options. If you play in a 15-team league, AL, NL only, whatever it might be, Travis Jankowski is now with the Philadelphia Phillies. He had, he had seven hits with four RBI and a steal over the weekend. He's 1% rostered. John Nagowski, who? That's right. First baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates got into a shouting match with Marcus Stroman, actually, on Friday. He has 19 hits over his last nine games. He's 3% rostered. Wilmer Defoe, who is on the Pirates, has eight hits over his last four games, including two home runs. Ramon Arias with the Baltimore Orioles went two for five on Sunday. He has seven multi-hit games in the month of July. He's batting 287. He has a 297 career batting average in the minors. Again, that is Ramon Arias. And then Bradley Zimmer this weekend with Cleveland. Five hits, including two homers and a steal. All of these names are rostered in less than 5% of CBS League, Scott. So very deep. Jankowski, Nogowski, uh, Wilmer Defoe, Ramon Arias, and Bradley Zimmer. Any interest Uh, in any? To be honest, if you gave me this list of names, the only one I could have told you for sure what team he was on was Bradley Zimmer. If you gave me this list of names. That sounds about right. In no context. So um, I don't have a lot of opinions about them. Travis Jankowski is obviously very fast, but it's not like he's ever stuck before. So I don't really expect him to this time either. All right. Some other hitting standouts from the weekend. Big names just doing what they're supposed to. Juan Soto, seven hits, including three homers. Remember in the home run derby, he said, you know, sometimes the home run derby messes up people's swing. Not for me. It's, it's going to help me unlock my power again. So, so far, so good for Juan Soto. Vlad Jr. hit three more homers this weekend. He now has 31. He trails only Shohei Otani, who, has, who hit his 34th home run on Sunday. Max Muncy had four hits this weekend. Uh, actually, no, just on Saturday, four hits with a double dong. That game came in Colorado. Big weekend for Freddie Freeman. He had six hits, two homers. All of a sudden, Scott, he's batting 282, 21 homers, 893 OPS, very rough first two months for Freddie Freeman, but he's bounced back in a big way. Uh, and then some players that are bouncing back-ish, showing us signs of life. Christian Yelich, it's baby steps, but back-to-back <laughs> multi-hit games for him. Uh, four hits in that stretch, one homer, one steal, three runs, three RBI. The last two games for Yelich. Uh, for the Dodgers, Will Smith, shouldn't really expect this often, but a sock and a shoe. 
His 11th homer and his second steal of the season came on Sunday for Will Smith. Mike Yastrzemski had a double dong on Friday. Since he's returned from the IL on June 12th, Yastrzemski, 257 batting average, eight homers, 880 OPS. Sounds a lot like Mike Yastrzemski that we've seen the past couple of seasons. Jonathan Scope is heating back up, 12 hits over his last eight games, including a home run on Sunday. Eric Hosmer played two games this weekend. He had four hits, a homer, and a steal. And Glaber Torres has homered in back-to-back games. Saturday was a real Yankee Stadium special. It looked, it looked like a pop-up to right field and, and somehow got out, Scott. So I, I throw a bunch of names your way. Is there anything that you would like to elaborate on here, Scott, between Glaber, Hosmer, Yastrzemski, who's really bounced back in a big way? Uh, some big games here for Christian Yelich as well. Yastrzemski, I, I think, could maybe... Continue to up his level of production in a way I don't really expect the others to. Well, I, I don't know how long how long a list are we. Obviously, Freddie Freeman is going to keep going and 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 uh, get his numbers. His numbers are probably going to stay on the rise too. But like Yastrzemski, he struck out so much in April. His strikeout rate was bloated beyond belief, and it's been less than 20% since then. So uh, a big turnaround for Yastrzemski with the strikeouts. Very encouraging to see. And um, I think there are good days ahead for him. The others, you know, I think it's just continued rising and falling. All right, yeah, for Yastrzemski, since he's returned on uh, June 12th, which is the date that I gave you earlier, 16.5% strikeout rate. So that is a great mark. He's putting the uh, the ball in the air a ton. A 52% fly ball rate during that time. So lots of power, some OBP um, and making more contact now for Mike Yastrzemski. Let's take a look at some of the pitcher standouts from this weekend and uh, the standouts in a bad way. So I've got to fire up the dropo meter for this group here, Scott. And we'll start with Chris Paddock, who was at the nationals, five innings, uh, four runs, two strikeouts on Friday, his last five starts for Chris Paddock. He's got a 10.31 ERA and a 7.5% swinging strike rate. What is the dropo meter on Chris Paddock? I will put it at about a seven, let's say, seven. You know, what's weird is his spin rates, you know, obviously it was very low early in the season. It, it got to be decent on the fastball. He saw some success. And so you would assume, okay, the spin rate must have dropped during this rough stretch for him, this very rough stretch. And, and that hasn't really happened. He hasn't seen his spin rate regress. It's still not like a great spin rate for a fastball, but it was closer to what he put up in 2019 when he had uh, obviously a very impressive rookie season. Yeah, not not seeing a lot of reason for hope here for Paddock, but I know just a month ago we were seeing reason for hope, so that's why it's only a 7 as opposed to a 9 or 10. Well, how about for his teammate, Blake Snell, who made his return also against the Nationals, four innings, Six hits, four runs, four walks. Just more of the same disappointing Blake Snell that we've seen basically all season. And in that start, his slider was down almost two miles per hour. He's now up to a 5.21 ERA. Blake Snell is 93% rostered, Scott. The dropometer. Yeah, I mean, I obviously don't have a lot of faith in Snell anymore. He actually, I actually did see him get dropped in a 12-team points league and uh, I, I put in a bid for him. It wasn't a huge bid. I got outbid for him. So he, he got scooped up right away. But it's probably like a six on the drop a meter. Um, not to the point that I 
would do it probably in a standard size league, but yeah, I'm, I mean, my faith is obviously diminished. I don't consider him a must-start pitcher anymore. Patrick Corbin was on the opposite side for one of those starts, at least. He was up against the Padres, five and a third, ten hits, six earned runs, four walks. Corbin's capable of decent starts here or there, but overall, he still has a 5.66 ERA this season and a 9.5% K-minus walk percentage, which is the fourth lowest among qualified starting pitchers this season. 85% rostered is Patrick Corbin, the dropometer. I'll go nine on Corbin. Mm. Not not seeing a lot that's going to compel me to hang on to him. All right. How about Rich Hill, Scott? At the Braves, four innings, six hits, three runs, only nine swinging strikes. He's not known for his velocity, but it was down even more. Fastball velo down one and a half miles per hour in the start. Curveball down two miles per hour. Rich Hill is still 80% rostered, Scott. The drop-o-meter. Yeah, I'll probably go like eight on him. I know he's gone nine starts without a quality start, so that seems like that seems like a problem. Um, and yet, having said that, is overall ERA and WHIP are still decent, so that's why it's only an eight. But I, I just don't see a lot of impact happening here from Corbin. All right, one more southpaw: Danny Duffy versus the Orioles this weekend. Four innings, one run, three strikeouts. He did leave early in this game because he got hit in the knee with a comebacker, but his velocity has been down a little bit. His fastball velo pre-injury was 93.7 miles per hour. In this start, he averages 92.2 miles per hour. So what do you think, Scott? Danny Duffy, the dropometer. Yeah, I'm going to go as low as I did for Snell, actually, a six, which means I'm, I'm probably not dropping Danny Duffy. Uh, I, I was discouraged when I saw he only went four innings until I saw the reason for it removed from being hit by a comebacker. He threw 77 pitches in his previous start and seemed like he was building back up to his starter's workload. It's been a slow buildup like with Tony Gonsolin, but I think at the end of it, you're going to be pretty happy you held on to Danny Duffy. All right, so you have some names to drop. Who can you add? This is SP Waivers Part 1. Jamison Tyone up against the Red Sox on Sunday, five and a third shutout. Over his last three starts, he's allowed just three earned runs. That is a 1.49 ERA, he's 75% rostered. Chris Flexen at the Angels this weekend, seven innings, one run, only two strikeouts. John Gray at home against the Dodgers in Coors Field, seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes. He's 70% rostered. And then Kwang Hyun Kim was up against the Giants, six shutout, only one strikeout, uh, only one strikeout. I don't know how he does it. His underlying numbers are awful, but... Kim has a 0.38 ERA over his last four starts. So Tyone, Flexen, John Gray, Kim. Who's your favorite of that group, Scott? I think it's John Gray at this point. I don't know what's gotten into him, but in five starts since returning from the IL, he's he's looked like a different pitcher. Uh, he's looked downright dominant with the swinging strikes. Uh, all five of the starts have been good, and two of them have come at home, including this one. So I uh, I don't know how long he can sustain it, I guess it's possible he gets traded, right? Uh, before the deadline, and that would be great news. He should, but it's also the Rockies, so. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he's my favorite. Tyone would be second. And uh, Flex in a distant third. I, I'm with you on Kim. Like, there must be something I'm missing with Kim. I'm, I'm willing to grant that, but I just, I can't. I'm not willing to suspend my process for Kim. As yeah. long as, uh, even as long as he's defied it. And yeah. it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like he's that useful because he doesn't pitch deep into games. Uh, 
consistently. So yeah, yeah, I, I think I can continue to ignore Kim for that reason. Every now and then there are going to be starting pitchers that just defy the underlying numbers because for some, again, unforeseen reason, but uh, yeah. for Kim, it could be deception, you know, quality of contact. He, he, he does suppress a lot of hard contact. So I think you kind of couple those things together and, and, and that's how he's made himself as valuable as he is. Uh, starting pitcher waivers part two. Alex Cobb this weekend up against the Seattle Mariners. Six and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts. Where's Chris when we need him? Madison Bumgarner <laughs> made his return to the mound. He was up against the Cubs. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. Zach Thompson, first start since July 4th. Only four innings, two runs, zero earned, uh, and two strikeouts. Uh, Tyler McGill at the Pirates, six shutout with two strikeouts. And then Willie Peralta up against the Minnesota Twins on Sunday. Who is this guy? Seven shutout, four hits, four walks, four strikeouts, a 1.64 ERA for Peralta through four starts this season. Cobb, Bumgarner, Thompson, McGill, Peralta. This is like a loaded uh, group, Scott. Who do you like most? (laughs) Well, definitely Zach Thompson. He got pulled because of rain, right? That's That's the reason he went four innings? That I will look into, but that definitely could be the case. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I still really like what I've seen from him. Alex Cobb might be number two on the list. Four of his past five starts have been great. Um, you know, we've been pointing out, especially Chris, that the XFIP, the XCRA, they're low. You know, he's, he's, he's getting strikeouts and he's getting round balls, and that's normally normally what I look to um, when when finding pitchers to pursue. So I, you know, I understand it's, he's struggled a lot in spite of that, but he, he may be starting to turn it around here. Finally, he may be living up to the peripherals finally. Uh, so th- that would be one and two, you know, Tyler McGill's probably third for me. Uh, I don't have a lot of interest in Bumgarner. I know he had a successful stretch earlier in the year. But yeah, the velocity, you know, when, when he was succeeding earlier in the year, he, he got that fastball velocity back up to 91 and it was down below 90 on average in this first start back. Uh, so uh, I'm skeptical of him still. And Willie Peralta, really good ground ball rate. Close to 60% is the ground ball rate. It's higher than it's ever been for him. But I, I still think it's not enough of a sample to change your thinking on a 32-year-old who's already been around the block and would never amounted to much of anything in fantasy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to put much faith in Willie Peralta either. Yeah, I mentioned Peralta has that 1.64 ERA that comes with a 4.45 XFIP. So, has been lucky uh, to this point, point, does get a lot of ground balls. But if you're just looking for a streamer this week at Kansas City... It's a pretty good matchup for Willie Peralta. So I will just throw that out there. For Mad Bum, uh, the velocity on the fastball was down to 1.6 miles per hour in this one. And the spin rates on each of his cutter, four-seam, and curveball were all down over 300 RPM for Madison Bumgarner. So I thought that was noticeable. Notable as well. Uh, starting pitcher waivers part three. These are very deep league options. But Vince Velasquez was up against the Marlins. Five shutout, four strikeouts. I told you on Friday, stream him. He's really good against the Marlins. He's not good against anybody else. Kyle Freeland (laughs) was up against the Dodgers. Six innings, three runs, four strikeouts, another quality start. Last five starts for Kyle Freeland. He's got a 2.25 ERA. And then Chad Cool was up against the Mets. Five innings, one run, five walks, three strikeouts. Pretty 
weird line, but his last five starts, a 1.98 ERA. Anything here, Scott? Velasquez, Freeland, cool. Deeper leagues. I don't think so. I think they're more likely to do harm than good. I would just go with a reliever. All right. If I had to. These uh, starting pitchers have been struggling recently, Scott. So I'll, I'll just throw a bunch of names your way. And, and if there's anything you want to add on any of them, or you know, if you think any, all of these guys should be on your bench right now, let us know. Sandy Alcantara, his last four starts. He's got a 4.91 ERA. Stroman, his last four starts. He's got a 5.0 ERA. Tyler Malley, his last seven starts, has a 4.93 ERA. Yusei Kikuchi, over his last two, the spin rates and the velocity both way down. He's given up 12 earned runs during that span. Framber Valdez has a 6.56 ERA over his last three starts. And Joe Musgrove has a 7.46 ERA over his last four starts. So, obviously, I'm cherry-picking small sample sizes here, but these guys have been struggling recently. Alcantara, Stroman, Malley, Kikuchi, Valdez, and Musgrove. Yeah, I, I in like a 12-team league, I've been treating Tyler Malley like a, like a matchups play, basically from the start. And so I don't really think there's reason to change that approach. Um, I think just Joe Musgrove is there too. I think, it, I think it's like four straight less than six innings for him. I think that's right. And really his numbers have gotten worse every month. Joe yeah. Musgrove's. So I'm, I'm not really sure why. And he'll he'll bounce back with pretty good stretches that make him worth holding on to. But I'm, I'm, I, I think we're to the point where it's time to treat him like a matchups play. I got to say, I hadn't noticed that with Yusei Kikuchi's velocity. Um, let me double check here. Yeah, it is down a couple miles per hour. Yeah, that's concerning. And, that, and, and the fact that, you know, two really ugly starts from him in a row. Um, ERA was low threes. Now it's high threes again, just like that. So I think I'm, I'm worried enough about Kikuchi that if you have alternatives... I, I want to see him get back on track. The others, Alcantara, Stroman, Valdez, there aren't really any tangible concerns there for me. Um, yeah, I think I'd write it out through the rough patches. I mean, Valdez, Valdez especially, he's he still has, as good as he was last year, still a higher ground ball rate than last year, which didn't even seem possible because he was a distant number one last year and a higher swinging strike rate than last year, higher than it's ever been. So I, I want to worry about Framber Valdez too much, even though the last three starts have been shaky. These were not studly performances, but were definitely notable. Uh, Kenta Maeda at the Tigers, five innings, three runs, eight strikeouts, three starts in July. He's got a 1.69 ERA with 25 strikeouts over 16 innings pitched. Frankie Montas against Cleveland, six innings, two runs, and seven strikeouts. And then Zach Gallon's return versus the Cubs, five and two-thirds, one run, seven strikeouts, Scott. So Maeda, Montas, Gallon. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Maeda really, he, he looks like he may be fixed. Now, we want to see him go deeper than five innings to start because it's going to be hard for him to make an impact if that's all he's doing. But at least in Roto Leagues, I feel pretty confident putting him in the lineup again because he's just been getting a ton of whiffs since returning. The splitter looks good again. I feel better about what Zach Gallen did in his return because obviously the line was fine, but I don't don't like seeing that velocity down with the um, with the forearm issues he's had. 
The call to the pen, some bullpen updates from the weekend. For the Phillies on Friday, Ranger Suarez got his third save, and then he took the blown save on Saturday. He gave up a two-run homer to Jesus Aguilar. And then on Sunday, Suarez was unavailable. You guessed it. Hector Neris back in, picked up his 12th save of the season. <laughs> uh, for Tampa Bay this weekend, Pete Fairbanks picked up two more saves, his fourth and his fifth. Diego Castillo, nowhere to be found. Did I miss something? I'm pretty sure he's on the race roster still, and he's these have been close games. He didn't pitch at all, so I don't I don't really know what the situation is with Diego Castillo for the Mariners on Friday. Kendall Graveman came in with a six to two lead. He gave up three hits and three runs. Paul Seawald came, uh, recorded the final out for his third save of the season. He's 17 percent rostered for those in deeper leagues. Uh, for, but then he did struggle on Sunday. Yeah, Seawald did. I think he gave so. up a two or three run homer. Is what I saw. So I think it's still Graveman for now, but Seawald has really, really good numbers on the season. Uh, for Cleveland, James Karinchak on Friday pitched in the eighth in a one run game. Emmanuel Class A came in and gave up a walk off two run homer to Jed Lowry. On Saturday, those roles were reversed. Class A pitched in the eighth. Karinchak came in the, in the ninth, did give up a run, but still uh, earned his 10th save of the season. And then on Sunday, both of them were unavailable. Brian Shaw. Got his second save of the season. Uh, for the Tigers on Saturday, Gregory Soto got his eighth save. For the Twins on Saturday, Taylor Rogers allowed two runs, took his fourth blown save, and his fourth loss of the season. For the Diamondbacks, Joaquin Soria is their closer. He's not great. The team is not great. We know that. <laughs> on Saturday, he gave up three runs, took the loss, and then on Sunday, bounced back, got his fourth save of the season. Uh, for the Marlins on Saturday, Yimi Garcia gave up a walk-off two-run homer to JT Real Muto. And I think we're getting closer to Anthony Bender just getting another shot to be the Marlins' closer. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, for the Mets on Saturday, Edwin Diaz gave up a walk-off grand slam to Jacob Stallings. And then on Sunday for the Pirates, Richard Rodriguez gave up a two-run homer to Michael Conforto in the ninth, and he took a loss. Scott, that was a lot of information about a lot of bullpens. Is there anything that you would like to touch on before we talk about some streamers quick? Uh, I, I would be surprised if Joe Girardi pulled the plug on Suarez after that one blow save, even with Hector Neris getting it done easily on Sunday. It would surprise me if he had an about face that quickly. So I would stick with Suarez. All right. To stream or not to stream for Monday, Ross Stripling versus the Red Sox, Vladimir Gutierrez versus the Mets, Ryan Yarbrough versus the Orioles, Kyle Muller versus the Padres, Chase DeYoung at the Diamondbacks, and Caleb Smith versus the Pirates. Let's go with Kyle Muller and Ross Stripling. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't love any of these. Probably Muller. Yarbrough is kind of hit or miss. The Orioles are good against lefties too. Eh. Yeah, yeah. Kayla uh, Smith against the Pirates might go okay, but I, I just don't trust him. Yeah, I think Muller is the one, and then. Maybe if you're desperate, Yarbrough or Stripling, but we don't really love those ones. For Tuesday, Tyler Anderson at the Diamondbacks, Dane Dunning at the Tigers, Shane McClanahan versus the Orioles, Mike Miner at the Brewers, Eric Lauer versus the Royals, and Jose Suarez at the A's. Again, there's only one that I can give a full-throated endorsement of, and that's Shane McClanahan against the Orioles. I don't care how good they are against lefties. He's a special lefty. All right. <laughs> no one else. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, me neither. Tyler Anderson <laughs> is like, eh. You know, if you're in a deeper league, you just want to take a shot, I guess. 
Tyler Anderson at, at Arizona, but don't love that one either. All right. Well, that was about as much as we could get to in a good amount of time here. So we're going to wrap up. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.